Okay. After you've found James 3, we're going to be going through verses 1 through 6 today. And you can stand up with me as we read God's Word. And this is just a way to acknowledge and honor the Word. So, James 3, 1 through 6. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. God, I pray that that these words will have greater significance for us today, that during this time you'll be working on our hearts, God, to purify the way we present ourselves in our speech to each other and the way we honor you and the way we speak. God, I pray that your spirit will just be here teaching us. In your name, amen. You guys can sit down. Awesome, thank you. So, if you're around children at all, or whether that's your own children or people that have children, you'll probably be familiar with, with this phrase. <laughs> Use your words, right? As, as they're asking the child to, to repeat back something they've been taught. <clears throat> and they're expecting a certain response from that, right? They're expecting a certain word because there's, in the world, there's about, in between the range of six to 7,000 languages. So, so if a child wants something and they're your child, you're probably expecting them to say, please, right? What if they grabbed you and they were like, por favor, right? <laughs> that would alarm you unless you've taught them Spanish. And I'm saying that because I don't know any other language to say it in. Myself, I'm, I wish I was bilingual, bilingual but I'm, I'm not. I took one day of Latin and one day of German in college and dropped both those classes. So, I... <laughs> see, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, so, in all the, all the languages that we could speak... Words are meant to, to communicate and express ourselves, and that's why we're taking these two weeks uh, to go through this sermon series called Use Your Words, because uh, this week, uh, the, the title is The Tongue is a Rudder, and as you see that we get that from these verses, and, and next week is um, Stop Killing People, um, and the, this first week is The Tongue is a Rudder because the words, words direct us. Words literally, and this is, this is the main point, and you'll get it at the beginning and throughout and at the end, 
is that the words we speak are like an arrow pointing the direction that we will take. That, that this week, as we talk about the tongues or rudders, because it's literally steering us in the direction that we will be going. And so that, that's why words are very important. When we say use your words, use them wisely, because that's pointing the direction that you will take. Next week, um, stop killing people is because words are powerful. They have, they have in them the power of life and death, it says, is in the tongue. And so it's super important, whether you're blessing somebody or you're cursing somebody with the words that you speak and the opportunities you have to speak into someone's life. Right? Like Thursday, you know, with Kristen, it would have been easy just to joke around with her about the day. But, but could we have done that differently and just been like, hey, I'm gonna, I know this is what you struggle with today. I'm going to reaffirm who you are in Christ. Right? And that it, it's, it's huge. It's a big difference in someone's life, whether you're going to speak life or death to them. Uh, so we're just going to take this, take this through um, from the beginning. But I, I'm gonna, a few points for you guys. As I said, words express ourselves. But second is words as a form of communication is, and this is something that was really drilled into me, as some of you know I'm taking seminary classes right now. Some have been good, some have not been interesting. And the last one I took uh, was on youth culture and evangelism, which was very interesting. And, and over and over again, the professor kept saying, and I didn't get it at the start, but then he would explain it more and more. He says, he says that, conversation is the most intimate form of communication in a relationship. Which is interesting, and I was like, ah, I don't know. And as you know, I'm, I'm fairly limited in my relationship experience, okay? So, so I kind of had to take his word for it. But, but communication is the most intimate form of, of conversation within a relationship. And, and thinking of it this way, is, is that... That's, I'm not going to say that's true, but I'll say this is where he's coming from. Is, think about this. In any relationship you have, how you really get to know somebody is, is to the extent that you're willing to express yourself to them or receive from them what you're communicating. Isn't it interesting how so many relationships, when they're forming, you hear like, oh, we talked for like six hours last night on the phone. And you're like, wow, I hope that's mobile to mobile. <laughs> And then, and then, you know, the relationship progresses and they're like, they're just like a clam. They just, they're so tight. And I, I know there's pearls in there, but. <laughs> and that's the way it's happened. So what happened to that six hour long conversation? That was probably like two hours of like, I love you more, right? Because <laughs> at that point, they're really, you're really not communicating, Right? That conversation is the most intimate form of communication. You can do a lot of things that we consider in this world intimate, right? But you really don't know the person at all, right? You know certain things about them, sure, but, but do you really say, like, man, on a heart level, we really communicate, we really relate. I feel like I, feel like I, can, I can anticipate what they're going to say or what they're thinking. And I want to show us during this time that not only... Can, can we do that, or do we want to do that in the way we communicate? But God does that in the way he communicates to us through his word. 
And we can understand the direction God is taking, and we can follow him there. So this is very exciting as we get into this. So just starting from the beginning, uh, I'm going to take you through a few different points. And the first is the importance of having good teachers in your life, which is interesting as we, as we begin talking about words, the importance of having good teachers, and especially good teachers in the, in the church is what it deals with here is it says, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we will teach, we who teach will be judged more strictly. And and in reference to the church, because I think in this portion he is he is elaborating on what he's talked about earlier. If you look at James 1, verse 26, he says, If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue. You are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. And so what he's elaborating on here is it's, it's important to have good teachers in the church, and maybe few teachers in the church, ones that are good, because you want... Your religion, right? And it's using it in a positive way here. I know people have these shirts now like, I'm not religious, I'm, I love Jesus. Right? <laughs> here, it's not making the distinction. <clears throat> so, if you, are, uh, if you are in a church where the teachers are not teaching in a way that uplifts Jesus Christ, they're not good teachers, there's a couple things about teachers that we'll, we'll deal with really quickly. And, I, and this is really important, as you know, there's, my dad and I, we switch off every week. And so this is sobering. Right? We will be judged more strictly than, than you. Um, why? Because you guys are coming to be taught. I don't assume you, you sit there because you enjoy the chairs. Right? We got them all for free. <laughs> so, so you're coming, you're coming to, to be taught to learn, to learn what in specific, to learn about God and who he is and what he is saying to you. You're trusting that we have prayed for you and prayed in our preparation of this that God will bless you guys with the word from him, that you will see Jesus more clearly and you will love him with a stronger affection. And so there's standards in the church for this. And oftentimes we don't, we don't realize those standards, and so we have, we have this really flimsy, flopsy sort of understanding of who to listen to. Right? So we, we turn on MTV or, or whatever, we, whatever we go to and we think it's popular, we think it's cool, and we listen to this. And I realize how easily I myself also listen to certain things. And you guys might realize this too. I... I so easily, if I watch a movie, I try to relate that with reality, like on a, on a one-to-one basis. So I, like, I watch a movie and I'm like, wow, what about that is real to me? And so oftentimes I even use that as a teacher for myself. And so what is, what is a good teacher? And so the best way, especially as we're talking about in the church, is saying, well, what does the Bible say a good teacher is? And that's somebody we want to uplift. That's somebody we want to say, yeah, we want to listen to this person. And our church has those standards like any 
true church should have those standards, and we get those from the scripture, right? From the book of Timothy, from the book of Titus. And here's a few of the things. It says, an elder or a teacher should be somebody who's above reproach, right? Someone who you're, you're willing to listen to because at every turn you're not skeptical about, like, well, are they stealing from the coffers? Or are, they, are they using the money wisely? Are they, are they out carousing? A good teacher should be somebody who's above reproach, not somebody who can just weave words together in a creative, enticing, illustrative, funny way. Right? That's oftentimes the, the teachers that we go to are the ones that entertain us the best. Right? I go there because they're fun. And so we end up following these people that man, you don't want to go, you don't want to steer your ship in that direction. You want a teacher who's above reproach. And, and so, you know, your armada is going to a pleasant shore. Our armada is a lot of ships. Okay. <laughs> a teacher should be respectable. A teacher should, teacher should be hospitable. Hospitable in the way, not, does, that doesn't mean they have to be like the best barbecuer around, but it means they're somebody who are welcoming to other people. You don't want a teacher who is like, I'm just not a people person, right? I just, I read and I talk, but I just, you know, I clam up when I'm around people, and I, you know, and I just, I can't, I just don't like people. I talked to somebody once who was just like, I just don't like people. And they were like, wanting me to be a teacher. And that's, that's not somebody you want in your church. You want somebody who loves people, right? And is willing to open their home to others. Isn't that interesting that that's part of what the Bible says a good teacher should do? Somebody who's able to teach, not addicted to wine, right? Not addicted to wine. It says to be sober, which means just not addicted to anything, right? That they're not an addictive personality. It's just latching on to things. And so... So all of a sudden, when their fancy goes in a certain way, the church follows their fancy, right? How terrible would that be? Right? I just like green a lot. Let's just paint the walls green, right? You know, and somebody like that, that'd be really confusing for a church. If all of a sudden, everything that they, they value, their personal things they value, the church had to value, right? That would be absolutely terrible. Um, but in the end, the most important thing is that they're, they're a person that holds fast to the word of God, right? Someone that holds fast to the word of God and is constantly themselves being molded to the word. And so the words that are coming from their mouth are words that are just an overflow of their time in the scripture, right? And so they're not a person governed by their own passions, but they are governed by the passion expressed in the word of God, right? And that's, that's something that you want, and a teacher, and so not many should be teachers because they will be, be judged more harshly. <clears throat> and to take this responsibility seriously means that there won't be a, a lot of teachers in the church, right? Um, and those that desire it, it, it says it's a good thing, but to realize that there's standards for that, and we hold those standards in our church. And so if you have any more questions about that, feel free to ask me later or, or talk to us about that. But, but we want to just set that here before you guys and say we do that too. Um, but, but as James talks about this, he also says, so we're not going to be naive in this and say, so teachers are invincible or immortal or immaculate. Right? They're not. 
Uh, and that's what he says here in James 1, where he says, Indeed, we all, and referring to teachers especially, we all make mistakes. And if you ask any of my roommates, they will know that I cannot talk about using words without knowing I have a huge beam in my own eye. And so as I share with you guys, this has been a huge lesson for me. We, I taught this a similar um, lesson to this in community group a while back, and that was really transforming for me as I began seeing that. And it began like this. It began realizing that a lot of the words that we speak in the church or in the groups that we're in can be steering us in the wrong direction. And, and I thought, how do I bring this up without just sounding... Um, judgmental, right? How do I do that? And so what I began saying was, the tongue is a rudder, right? And some of you are more familiar with that than others. And, and so, so the, the, the tongue is a rudder. And, you know, first it's like, what does that mean? Well, and you'll see, you'll see in James what that means. So how do, we, how do we say it? But then I started realizing that, man, there's, like, what does this mean in my own life? How often times do I, do I neglect to be as encouraging as I could be? Or, or by reliving maybe experiences uh, in words that, that I just shouldn't be glorifying in that, that really corrupts or pollutes my heart again. So, so as we take this seriously, um, I, I want all of us to, to take this seriously. Why? Not because it's my own fancy, but because it's biblical. And I think we can be a much stronger church because of it. <clears throat> Second point. So the first is that leaders, it's, it's important that your leaders teach the word. Second, it's, it's important what we articulate. And this is, this is incredibly important. The first reason why. Because what we articulate is an overflow of what is in our hearts. And you'll find this. You'll find this in your most carefree moments. That what you're sharing is really whatever you have going on inside of you. In Matthew, in Matthew 12, 34, it says, whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of good, a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit or condemn you. And that's so important. <laughs> that whatever is in your heart determines what you say. And we're really familiar <coughs> with talking about the heart, but sometimes we're not familiar with talking about the ways our heart expresses itself. And there's a lot of ways... But, but in the scripture, one of the primary ways is, is the, what we articulate, what we say. In Proverbs, we're familiar with it, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it de determines the course of your life. But the next verse says, Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. And then listen to the metaphor it uses, which is the same one in James. It says, it's like it came from the same Bible. It's crazy. <laughs> Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on a safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Guard your heart. For from it comes the course of your life. 
Right, so keep away from corrupt speech. Keep away from anything <coughs> that, uh, that, will incite, that will, can be incorporated or incite evil. Um, and last, what is that? And we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but first, I want to take this more into the direction of what, as we chart our course with the words that we speak, what does that mean? What does that look like? I think if, uh, you know, I don't know who, I didn't do my research, I don't know who came up with the whole idea of a bit in a horse's mouth, but it was probably pretty comical. You know, a lot of, a lot of inventions you probably think are comical when they first come up. Um, were probably made fun of. And it, it was probably like the guy with the bit had this little metal piece and he was like, with this, I will control a horse. And I was like, yeah, right. right how, how are you going to do that? But, but he put it, put it in the horse's mouth and you can control this mighty beast with it. Right, same thing with a rudder. Right? Would you expect that this small rudder could be, and it says here in James, could, could control the movement of a ship even in a mighty wind. But it does. It charts the course of its sails. And so you can tell the way someone is headed by the direction of their conversation. And we see this over and over and over again. It was illustrated a couple weeks ago um, with uh, a youth who, who comes in here and we, we, uh, we see often. And, um, and just to see them glory in... In past experiences, past escapades that they had had, um, ways that they had conquered the world, right, and been locked up for it, right, and then soon enough, next day they were locked up again, right. I mean, that's that's you get this in that small timeline, but how often does this happen in our lives? And we were familiar with uh, growing up; our table was full with people, right. We had a lot of people at our house, and. And my dad was always uh, very, um, he always came down on, on the, where the conversation was going, right? Because we had a lot of people who could glory in what they had done, car chases they had been in. Jason Tompkins remembers this, I don't know where he is right now. <laughs> car chases they had been in, right? Or um, right? ways they'd like try to escape from the police, right? All these things. And when that became the glory of our conversation, what we boasted about, Right? We would exalt it so much in our heart that it would become, again, like our sense of adventure and our sense of hope. And so it's important that the, the way, what we're glorying and what we're remembering and what we're speaking is thinking ahead of time, this is the way that I'm tracking my life to go in. And we talked about this earlier also. You can tell the way a church is headed by the direction of its conversation. If... if <laughs> Not just those who are teaching, but those who come and say, we are, we are this church. We are a part of this church. If your conversation is, you know, about, I don't know. There's tons of examples I could give, right? But I don't want to pick anything out. But if, if, our, if our conversation is going in that direction, what will, what will become of us? If, if there's a pastor who, who makes so much of himself... That, that all of a sudden that becomes the identity of the church and Christ is no longer the center of that church. Right? That will devastate the people. 
right? Because they'll hold up that person so much. And what does it say so clear in the Bible? Pride comes before a fall, right? God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. So what will happen to the prideful person? They will fall, and the whole church will say, well, what has happened to our hope? Because that has been our hope, right? So it's so important that Christ is the one being exalted, and what, how do we do that? We do that in what we present and what we teach and what we articulate, right? It isn't, it isn't just an action. And that's oftentimes where, where um, the, the churches, the religions of today are going. It's like, well, and they, they quote St. Francis of Assisi, even though we don't really know if he said it or not. Um, you know, uh, preach the gospel at all times, but only use words when necessary. Right? Use words whenever you can. Just use wise words, right? Speak lovingly. Speak well. Speak caringly. Don't speak offensively when it's not needed, but sometimes a word is needed that is offensive, right? I mean, and this is amazing it, because we, don't, we forget that, that there are standards for the way we speak. And we, we read that earlier with leadership. It says because those leaders will be what? They'll be judged more harshly, right? In Jonestown, right, where, where 909 people drank cyanide-laced Kool-Aid, will that leader be judged? Absolutely. That's bad. <laughs> if you do that, that's bad. <laughs> right? If you have your congregation juggle snakes, that's bad, right? But if, if you as a leader mock other people in such a way that, that your church thinks it's okay to mock people, that is bad. And so, so what? there are standards which we have and standards that we want to uphold and, be, and say this is righteous and this is good and this is holy and this brings life to the church. This puts us in the right direction. This steers my life in the right direction. We want to go in that direction together. And that's so important that we're going that direction together. <clears throat> so it charts the course we will go, and we want Christ to be the center. Remembering that our words have meaning and they have purpose. And this oftentimes is, is why we get so lost in our idea, and we get so helpless when we, when we think about words, is because... Oftentimes, our thoughts of conversation deteriorate to thinking that words are neutral or words don't have meaning. And so we get confused, especially, and this is, this is a common one that we, I get a lot of times, we get confused when, when someone talks to a Mormon and, and all of a sudden they're like, they're speaking my language, right? They have the Father, they have the Son, they have the Holy Spirit, you know, they, they're speaking my language, but oftentimes, and this is just an example, is how are we defining those terms? Right, that's important. How do we define who the Father is? Right, how do we define who the Son is? How do we define who the Holy Spirit is? That's important. That's why we're teaching this, this Timothy 101 class on, on doctrine, what we believe as a church, because it matters. An example I use often is when people talk to me about well, every, everyone is right and everyone's, you know, all roads lead to one holy summit of a mountain. And, and I say, okay, imagine with me here that, that you're telling someone else about me and you, you happen to be generous, right? And you're, you're really complimenting me. 
And you're like, you know, what I love about Daniel is that he has gorgeous, blonde, curly hair. And, and you're like, I, I don't know if we're talking about the same guy. <laughs> right? I know he wishes he had curly hair, and at one point he bleached it so it was blonde. But, you know, now I don't, I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if, if we're talking about the same person. But if you're like, I love it how he's like 6'5", and he's super like awesome football player, and back of the year. You know, like, I, I'm not that guy, right? And oftentimes, that's what we foolishly think, because we don't define our words correctly. That, and we go in and we, we speak about God like we can speak about him however we want, but it's not true, and we'll be judged by the words that we speak about him, because it, does, it, does it honor him? Does it bring glory to his name? Is it, is it art, even articulating his praise correctly? Right? I love God because of this. Is that who he is? And are you exalting God? Are you just exalting God of your imagination? It makes a difference. Right? Because there's power in the words that we speak. Power to bring life or death. So, there's meaning and there's purpose. And so that's why, it's so, that's why it's so important that we as a people are very, very wise about the words that we speak. And there are so many ways that we err from this. <clears throat> and, uh, and as a church, it's really important to talk about this because one of the ways that, uh, that a lot of distrust or bitterness rises up within the church and we're so familiar with this is because of prayer circles gone wild, right? Where there's gossip or, or people just don't feel like they can trust other people because they'll share, right? That shouldn't happen. Right? Or, or we as brothers or sisters don't realize that like like in our joking that we might be flirting in a way that like, why would we mess with someone else's heart in that way, right? Like, why don't we be more careful about the way we speak, right? So I'm not, I'm not doing that, right? Be wise in the way we speak. Be loving in the way, being loving in the way you speak means you think about those things, right? That you're, you're protecting someone else in the way you speak. And you're uplifting them in a, in a healthy, holy way. Um, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. That's also in James. So, so in the church, we can be people that can trust each other, right? Err on the side of, well, God knows, so I will articulate this in prayer to him, right? Rather than, well, I, you remember Lacey, and, and she's struggling right now, and I'm just going to tell you all what she's struggling with, so you can all pray more specifically about it. <laughs> Don't do that. Be careful in the way you speak. Because God knows what that person is struggling with, right? And he is the only one that can bring healing to that person. Um, so be a prayer warrior. It should turn us to that. Um, and Because I, I think so often in our lives, <clears throat> we relate so much with biblically Job and his grumbling, but we forget that Job even himself says, I cover my mouth. When I've finally seen who God is, I cover my mouth. I'm willing to listen and, and to be at that point in our lives ourselves because there's great, there's great dangers to it. The danger to it is, is described like this. It says that the, 
The tongue is like a small spark that can ignite a whole forest on fire. And this again, I think James is pulling from the Old Testament in Psalm 39, one where he says, he says, I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But listen to this. He says, but as I stood in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil grew worse. The more I thought about, the hotter I got igniting a fire of words. And then in response, he says, Lord, remind me how brief my time is on the earth. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is but a moment. At best, each of us is but a breath. So as he held those words within him, it said it was like a fire waiting to burst up. He says, but remind me, remind me of how short my life is so I don't use my words foolishly. In Proverbs it says, because a fool in his speech rises quarrels and is worthy to be beaten. <laughs> right? Isn't that crazy? It says, some people deserve to get beat up. How they're speaking. <laughs> in Proverbs, that's crazy. Right? So keep a tight rein on your tongue. Because <laughs> some people come to me to get counseling and they're like, like, oh man, I'm in a mess. And you're like, what happened? They're like, I said this. I'm like, well, maybe you should be in a mess. That's terrible. You said that. I mean, think about it in our relationships, right? Like, we carry on our relationships, <laughs> right? And so why is it that we wonder so often, why am I here? It's like, well, do you remember the way you were speaking to your spouse? That hurts. That is why you're here. Let us be careful what we do with our words. And let us be quick. Let us be quick to say, I am sorry. Because that word also has a lot of power. Let's be quick when we respond to that. Not to say, oh, it's okay. Because it's not okay. It's not okay that the whole interaction happened. But it's okay to say, I'm sorry and I forgive you. And for healing to take place in that way. That's powerful. Right? To be able to admit, no, that's not okay. And yes, we can heal from that. <clears throat> and equally, dishonesty is leading. And it's misleading not only in our relationships with each other, but it's misleading in our relationship with God. It says in Matthew, right, that, <clears throat> that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas. Right? So let us not be a f- farcical in the way we interact with each other or the way we interact with God. Because it says, many will come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I didn't know you. Right? Because we've been dishonest in the way we speak. Let's, let's be honest in the way we articulate ourselves. And that might take more time. Right? Because all this and the danger of it itself is this. If you read read in the end of verse 6, it says, "It It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And this is what it means by that. It means that that through our articulation is oftentimes the way the devil promotes himself. And we talked about this two weeks ago, 
right, the devil using through unbelief in our own life ways to attack each other. Right? And this is the way he's promoting himself in the world to, to discriminate or to, to charge or to accuse or to hurt one another with the ways we speak. And so there's great danger to this. But I'm going to show you I'm going to show you exactly how this happens in a much greater scale than ourselves. And this should be something that excites you and incites a lot of praise. Three things. The power of word in the perspective of the grand narrative of the universe. And the first is that the world was spoken with purpose into existence. And this is so exciting. The world was spoken into existence with purpose. It was crafted by the words of God. In Psalm 33, 6, it says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and all the stars were born. He assigned the seas its boundaries and locked the ocean in vast reservoirs. Let the whole world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of him. For when he spoke, the world began. It appeared at his command. The world is the articulation of God, and it was crafted with purpose, and he had meaning, and he had intention, and he, he sent it sailing in, in a good direction because after he created, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's very good. And so, so what, what path he sent it on? Listen to that, right? As we still see in the world the articulation of God, yet severely broken. And broken by what? Broken by a lie. Another word. As the serpentine word to Adam and Eve was what? You can be your own gods, right? God is trying to hold something back from you. You don't trust him. Trust yourself. And by that lie, the world was broken. Our ship was dashed upon the rocks. And so all of a sudden, after we were sent in this good direction by God saying, turn to me for whatever you need, for whatever motivation, whatever wind you need in your sails, come to me and I will point you in the right direction. We believed the lie and we were dashed to pieces by that. But God restores the world by what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? And so, not only does God create and steer the whole world in the right direction with His Word, with the powerful Word from His mouth that creates something from nothing, because God can do that, but after it was broken, He can again restore by the words of His mouth, who is the final Word, who? Jesus Christ, right? And so, in Jesus Christ, we see the direction God is taking. And that is exciting. So when we see, God, what are, you, what are you up to? What are you doing, God? We see in Jesus Christ what God is up to and the direction God has taken. And this is very, very cool. And so when, when you in your own life are, are saying, what direction am I, am I taking? Well, consider your own articulation to yourself and the way you present yourself to others. Right? And if we want to know who God is, consider the way he speaks to us. And that is in the person of Jesus Christ. And what is he saying in Jesus Christ? He is saying this, I love the world and I'm going to bring the world back into relationship with me. 
And that is exciting. What direction is God taking? The direction God is taking is to draw you back into relationship with himself, to heal what is broken. And he can do that because his word still has power. Even though we've believed a lie for so long, he's going to claim victory over that lie in the final word of Jesus Christ. Right? So anytime you believe a lie, what, you, what should you think? What you should think is this. What is the final word that God has given to me? It is Jesus Christ. That is the final word. I'm going to take my stand upon that word. I'm not going to believe any other word. And I want the rest of my life to what? To, to respond to Jesus Christ saying, come follow me. Come follow me. And he made that call to the disciples and he's still making that call to the disciples now. Right? Come, follow me. I'm going in this direction. Are you going to follow are you going to keep believing a lie and be broken over and over and over again? And so it matters. It matters what words you believe. It matters what words you speak. And that is exactly what it's saying in Romans 10.10. It says, For it is by believing in your heart that you made right with God, and it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. Because it matters what you articulate with your mouth. And so are you going to be a person that affirms yourself in relationship with God? Are you going to be a person that affirms those that you're in relationship with? In Colossians 3.16, it says, Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thanksgiving in your heart. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. That's a good word. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your life. And by doing that, you will become an immense blessing to those that are around you. You will stop promoting the work of the Satan who is an accuser in the life of those around you. You will be promoting health in the life of those who you are around. Right? takes just as much time to give a word of encouragement as it does to give a word of joking or cutting down or anything like that. And so to do this, I encourage for us to partake in, in a prayer for this. And there's, there's two prayers here that, that I think are great to model. The first is in Psalm 1914, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Start your day with that. Right? Work through your day with that. O Lord, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. Psalm 141.3 says, Take control of what I say, O Lord, and guard my lips. Don't let me drift towards evil or take part in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do wrong. Don't let me do that. O Lord, guard my lips so I will be a blessing to others. And, and you guys will transform <laughs> the relationships you're in. It'll be, it'll be powerful. So remember as we go away from here, the words we speak 
are like arrows pointing in the direction in which we go. So what, what, what route are you taking? And who are you listening to? So I encourage you, as, as we sing, and we're going to sing some more, and as we worship, um, the reason why we do all those things, as it says in Colossians, sing with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I know for some of you guys might not think, I, you might think, I just don't, I don't do that. I'm not a singer. I don't sing in the shower. I don't, I don't, it's not the way do. some of you guys do. Maybe too much. <laughs> Right. So, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Well, it's because we have a lot of ways of articulating. But, but it's pretty natural to articulate ourselves in special ways when things are special. And, and, and we, I think music is one of those ways. And, and the reason why we do it is because when God articulated his final word to us in Jesus Christ, man, it's, it's worth finding every way possible to express that, um, to articulate that. And so as we sing together, we're, we're, trying, we're finding ways just to, to pray, to respond, to proclaim who, who Jesus is, and to remember that together. Because the, the Bible is for us to remember what God has done, what he is doing. And so as you sing, I just encourage you guys to partake in that together, to, to proclaim and to affirm that word together, and it can be really healing for you. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we're going to sing together. Father, thank you for the word that you have spoken in Jesus Christ and that we can come under, we can be healed by from our brokenness and we can participate in the healing of others through that. I pray that we'll take this seriously. I pray that, that today that, that the words that have been spoken will help shift maybe the course of our lives as we learn to be more encouraging with what we say, encouraging in ways that we are reminding people of the direction you wish for us to take that you long for us to have a relationship with you. And we're so thankful for that. And I, I pray that you'll just give us voice to sing with today. Uh, we praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.